the world of Islam, culture, religion, and politics. podcast. I'm your host, Amin Tais. Today, I would like to start introducing you to some early theological debates within Islam. As I have stressed in the episode that I titled The Construction of Islam, it is important to understand human beings respond to their environments as they ponder the meaning of the world around them as they construct their religious worldviews. I do not mean to imply that there is no God or that there is no transcendental truth or that meaning, uh, that there is no meaning beyond what is immediately grasped by human beings. These are separate questions and they do not concern us here today. What concerns us is that regardless of whether or not God exists, and regardless of whether occurs or not what we call revelation, it is rather clear that historically speaking, religion reflects in deep ways the environments and the contexts in which it forms and develops. So human beings make theological choices. They make theological claims that carry within them the limitations of where and when those choices and claims are made. Before we discuss the early theological debates within Islam, let's first say a word or two about what I mean by theology. The term is of Greek origin, so in a direct way, theology is the study of divine things, Within the Western religious traditions of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, all of which were influenced in deep ways by the Greek heritage, to do theology in a formal sense is to systematically study concepts that are connected to God and the divine. Therefore, theologians approach the question of God from a rational angle, but generally within the bound of scripture and tradition. We will encounter such systematic rational approaches to the divine as we go. But for our purposes today, I use theology in a larger sense. That is, how members of a religious community think about the big religious questions and what answers they articulate to answer these big questions. For instance, when Christians say that Jesus is the Son of God, or that believing in Christ leads one to eternal salvation, they are making theological claims. When Jews say that there is a covenant between God and the people of Israel, or when they say that Moses uh, received the Torah at Sinai, 
or that the rabbinical sages are the carriers of the oral Torah, they are making theological claims. In the early decades and centuries of Islam, there arose many important theological debates and many theological claims were put forward. Some of them became widely accepted, some were rejected, others were rethought and transformed to find more acceptance. Importantly, which theological positions find success is connected to much more than their merits or their ability to match the truth. All kinds of social, political, economic, and cultural factors uh, both shaped the debates and helped promote particular theological positions at the expense of others. Now, why is this important at all? It is extremely important because early forms of Islam were still fluid. Multiple possibilities were opened by the bursting in history of the rich messages of the Quran and by the early encounter of Arabs with a variety of ideas in the Greek, Persian, and Indian traditions that existed in the areas that Arabs came to conquer and dominate, particularly after the local communities slowly started joining the new religion and started holding political and religious leadership in many parts of the Muslim world. In the next episode, we will take a brief look at some of these early theological claims. We will touch upon the following theological debates. Number one, leadership. Who is the rightful ruler of the religious community? Number two, membership. What defines a member of the religious community? Who is in and who is out? And what is the worldly and otherworldly status of the believer? And what are the implications of one being a believer or not being a believer? Number three, free will versus determinism. Is the human being mukhayyar, i.e. have free will, or is the human being musayyar, i.e. his actions were predetermined? And number four, are the attributes of God one with the essence of God, or are they separate from God? Of particular importance is God's speech. Is the Quran, as God's word, eternal with God, or is it created in history? Now many of these debates might seem odd to the listener but they have important ramifications for the ways in which the community perceives itself and the ways in which religious texts are understood and applied. To highlight this point in the next episode, I will start dealing with each of the issues I enumerated earlier by first providing, at the risk of oversimplification, 
uh, providing the dominant orthodox answers given to each one of these theological answers before showing how these answers that might seem obvious to the believers once uh, orthodoxy had formed are in fact hotly debated early on. Here I also would like to say a word or two about this concept of orthodoxy which can be roughly translated as correct belief or correct doctrine. I do not use the term orthodoxy in any normative sense. I use orthodoxy not in any positive or negative sense, but rather as an analytical category to describe what happens once originally fluid and often revolutionary religious ideas are institutionalized into a structure that draws the red lines not to be crossed if one does not want to end up outside the fold of the true religion or to become a heretic. I would also add that once an orthodoxy imposes itself, alternative positions that were at one point a possible way of looking at the world become deviations that are condemned, pushed aside, and forgotten. Does this mean that no kind of dissent is allowed? No. There is in fact always some degree of pluralism within orthodoxy, but pluralism and dissent must remain within the negotiated bounds of orthodoxy. I want to elaborate on this by taking the example of a particular genre of literature produced by Muslim scholars in later periods, uh, which is the literature on al-firaq, or the sects. Some Muslim scholars, writing after an orthodoxy had already been uh, more or less solidified, these scholars authored guides to heretical groups or heretical sects. In fact, most of what we know of the early theological positions come from this literature. Examples of such books include Kitab al-Milal wal-Nihal, the book of sects and creeds by the Persian historian Tajuddin al-Shaharastani, who dies in 1153. Another uh, noteworthy book is Al-Farq Bayn al-Firaq, the difference between the sects, uh, authored by um, Abd al-Qahir al-Baghdadi, who dies in 1037. Importantly, the authors start from the premise that these theological positions were deviations, aberrations, heretical views that are at odds with the true and correct religious views. In other words, the assumption is that there are correct theological views that stem directly from Muhammad himself and are faithfully passed down through the generations and that the alternative theological views are heretical deviations from that faithfully inherited set of theological beliefs. The problem with this picture is that it is, historically speaking, difficult to accept. On all 
these theological debates, the Quran is either silent, vague, or contains elements that support the claims of opposite sides of the debates. When looking at the Quran, one is struck by its not being interested in these theological questions. I would argue that it is simply because the Quran was speaking to the concerns of a different immediate audience, as I had shown in uh, the episodes on the Quran. In contrast, these theological debates were the product of later developments in the history of the community. For instance, the theological debate on the leadership of the community is arguably tied to the early civil wars. The theological debate on the status of the believer is arguably tied to the challenge raised by the uncompromising stance of the Kharijites and the incessant bloodshed it led to. The theological debate on free will versus determinism is arguably tied to the Umayyad claim to divine will for their dominance and to the activist agenda to bring the Umayyads down. The theological debate on the created versus uncreated Quran is arguably tied to the early Abbasid Caliph's attempt to create more space for law-finding and political organization. A word remains to be said about the Hadith, which are reports about what Muhammad said and did, and to which we will dedicate a few episodes in the future. It is through the much more detailed literature of the Hadith that claims of authentic and correct orthodox theological positions are defended uh, by orthodox scholars. The problem here again is that rather than seeing them as the depository of the words of Muhammad, the large majority of hadiths on theological issues are to be seen as projections back to the Prophet's mouth of later theological opinions. This became necessary for most competing camps once the Hadith movement had become powerful and had dominated the Islamic field of religious interpretation as we will see in future episodes. But for next time, we will discuss the four theological questions that I enumerated at the beginning, namely the leadership of the religious community, the status of the believer uh, slash member of the community, determinism versus free will, and the attributes of God, including his speech. Thank you for listening. Please join me again next time. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you.